over the past couple of years, we have kind of got used to or have had to get used to a phenomenon that my grand grandparents would share with me when I was younger, and I never thought that I would actually see it in my lifetime. And that is the fact that you can still, a couple of years into everything we've been through, go to the store and there are shortages of items that you want to buy. Right? You go there and there are stores with empty shelves. And I honestly did not think, my par uh, grandparents used to say in the war, this is what happened over in the UK, this is what, how they had to live, things were rationed. Honestly thought I would never see it, but we, we still are living through it. It started with being demand-driven. There was a lot of panic buying in March of 2020. In fact, my guess is there are some of you who are still using toilet paper <laughs> that you bought in March of 2020, right? And there are other things that people were buying like we were never going to see it again, and so that led to shortages. Now we're seeing shortages because of supply chains being messed up and materials not being available. In fact, I read the other day that Hershey's is warning that on October 31st, there may be some shortages. Even the devil is not immune from COVID, apparently, <laughs> okay? So there may be some shortages coming down there. There are so many things we are living with, and whenever you ask, it's always COVID's fault, right? Anything you were looking for, well, it was COVID's kind of, you know, how many stores still have up the sign about there being a national coin shortage, however many years later? Today I want to address, though, something that I really do feel there is a shortage of in our world right now. And I want to talk about happiness. So many people are just sad and down, and it may be some of you who are sitting here today. And so today what I want to do is, I want to look in the Bible at what is commonly referred to and known as, as being the happiest book in the Bible. And that is the book of Philippians. And I want to firstly say this, some of you, as soon as I said, I want to address happiness, thought in your head, she has no idea what I'm going through right now. And I'm sorry, I don't. And I'm sorry, and my heart breaks for you. I don't know all the situations represented in this room. But here's what I do know. The book of Philippians was actually written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison in Rome for his faith. He did not write this when he was on a huge upswing in life. He wrote the happiest book in the Bible when he probably was at one of his lowest points in life. And so there are things obviously in here that we can learn from and we can glean. And today I want to give you five daily habits for happiness. Now, because I am so invested in today, and because I think today is such an important thing, as you came in today, you should have got a postcard. And I want you to take these home because I want you to remember. I know how this works. I've been sitting in services for 50 years, and thankfully dad's not here to um, hear what I'm about to say. I don't remember everything he's ever said, okay? Don't tell him, our secret. 
But today, I really wanted you to take home with you and take away with you the points that I'm going to be making today. And in fact, I left the back of it blank intentionally because you might want to grab a pen and jot down some stuff today. Because today is going to be practical stuff that I really think is going to help us as we live in this broken world where there is so much hurt, where there is so much depression, where there is so much going on, we need this to help us. And today I'm going to give you five daily habits for happiness. And I can pretty much guarantee if you build these into your daily life, take this to the bank, your happiness will grow and your unhappiness will decline. Now, right about now, you're also thinking, is she out of what is wrong with her? She's out of control. How does she think I am going to fit five more things into my day? I am pretty unhappy because I am so stressed at how much I have to accomplish. These are pretty quick things, okay? I know how busy days go. These are quick things that you can do first thing in the morning, during your quiet time, or whatever it is that you do. Five things that you can do. Number one. Number one is this. Every day, relax in God's grace. See, here's the problem. For a lot of us, it's not enough that the devil keeps us up at night reminding us of every single thing that we did to mess up the day before. He'll keep you awake and he'll have on replay what I did wrong, how I sinned, how I let God down. It's not enough that he does that. Oftentimes, he will start the next day in the morning telling you, well, today you better do better because you got to earn God's approval. He'll start by telling you, you know what, you got to earn God's love. Somehow you're going to need to measure up to that incredible standard that we think that God has for us. And before we know it, we are so bound up and we are so depressed before we've even got out of bed thinking that how am I going to be good enough today? Here's the secret. None of us will ever be good enough. None of us can ever measure up to the standard that would be required for us. God loves you. God loves you unconditionally, no matter what you did yesterday. I saw a couple of shirts on guys uh, this morning. I was happy to see. They have on a shirt that we made a couple of years ago, and, he, and it says, not religion, relationship. Okay, I see one over there too. I see a few of them in here. It was a great shirt. Not religion, relationship. See, here's the thing. Religion is what you do for God. Relationship is what God has done for you. And God is not interested in religion. Jesus did not come to this earth to bring us religion. Jesus came to this earth so that we could have a relationship with God. And without what Jesus did, none of us would ever measure up. You could be the most perfect person on the face of this earth. Never do anything wrong. It wouldn't matter. You still would not have done enough. And the beauty is that you don't need to. You will lose your happiness every time that you forget that it's about relationship. It's not about what you can do and your works. Every time you think you have to do something to earn God's love, every time you think that how he feels about you depends on how well you 
perform for him. And this morning, I really want to concentrate in one chapter in Philippians. And I want to look at Philippians chapter 3. And in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, we Christians glory in what Christ Jesus has done for us and realize that we are helpless to save ourselves. We can't earn our way to heaven. We can't work our way to heaven. The only way that we can get there is through the grace of God. In the message version, it actually says this. We couldn't carry this off by our own efforts, and we know it. Nothing I can do. So why am I waking up in the morning stressing about reaching some high level, some goal I'm never going to get to? How am I going to find happiness? I relax in God's grace. Further on in Philippians 3, he says this, no longer counting on being saved by being good enough or by obeying God's laws, but by, and here's what it's about, a relationship with Christ summed up in a few words, trusting Christ to save me. I relax in God's grace right there. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith, counting on Christ alone. So what if you woke up tomorrow morning and said, you know what, God, I just want to remind myself that I'm completely forgiven. How much better would you feel for the rest of the day instead of waking up and reminding yourself of everything you've done wrong, of every goal you feel like you need to attain, of making a shopping list of the things that you need to do today to try to appease God for what you've done in the past? The first daily habit for happiness, relax in God's grace. Thank him for what he's done, but remember that you are forgiven and God's grace has covered it. Daily habit number two, remember what matters most. A few weeks ago, it was Eric and I's, it was our um, 12th wedding anniversary. So um, July 2nd. Can I just say this to any couples who are engaged? Can I give you a bit of a warning? When you're gonna get married, do not plan to get married on July 4th weekend, okay? I'm just giving you the heads up right now. Because we decided that we were gonna take an overnight trip um, to Pennsylvania. You pay a fortune, and then also the problem being is this, I was tied up on the morning of the Friday, so we left about Friday lunchtime to go to Pennsylvania on 4th of July weekend. <laughs> you all kind of know what that was. So we followed Google Maps or Waze, depends on which one of us is driving us to which of them two that we, we follow. Um, so we were following whatever we were following. So we get to a certain point on the expressway and you're looking at it to say, to see where's it gonna take us. And at that point, I'm assuming you kind of feel like a death row prisoner feels like when they say, how would you like to die, right? Because you know any of the options that it's about to feed you are not going to be good, okay? Do we chance the Belt Parkway? Do we want to go to Brooklyn? Do we want to go to the Cross Bronx and have four flat tires before we get wherever we want to go? Or there is lovely option C, and that's what it 
gave us. And so we headed for Midtown Manhattan <laughs> on July 2nd, Friday afternoon, okay? Apparently that was the better option and I dread to think what was happening with the other two options right about now, but I trusted the technology. Again, knowing it's gonna be bad whatever we do. So here we go, we go through the Midtown Tunnel. It takes us up to um, 37th Street. Now, I know some people aren't local who are watching online. So basically you go um, east to west across Manhattan. There are avenues that run north to south. Those are like the main thoroughfares fares, and there's streets across. So it took us to 37th Street. So you guys who are locals kind of know. So we start on 37th Street. You hit the first avenue, red light. And often, it's more than one red light before you get across the First Avenue. And we're trying to get all the way across town. And so we're at probably first or second light. And I look over, and there's this woman walking, and I think to myself, wow, that's a beautiful dress she's wearing. She's wearing this really pretty green dress. All right, really pretty. And of course, Nikes, because that's Manhattan uh, uniform. Beautiful dress, sneakers on her feet. So I think, wow, that's a pretty dress. All good, light changes. We move forward a little bit. Go a little bit, stopped at the next light. I look to my left, green dress, okay? <laughs> walking, green dress is walking for those who are watching, okay? All good, go to the next light. Look to my left, green dress. Now, I'm starting to get annoyed by this point. It's like, what is wrong with the traffic in this city? Now, Eric knows, married 12 years to keep his mouth closed certain times, and he did not mention you're in the biggest city in America on 4th of July weekend trying to get through, okay? He didn't say anything like this. I lost count of how many lights we sat through, went through, looked to my left, green dress, walked right on past us. And by this point, it's like, does nobody have anywhere better to be? I would be faster if I got out and moved. Could I? I was just besides myself by this point. Now, here's the crazy part. Once we got to Holland Tunnel, went through, went to Jersey, I couldn't have picked green dress out in a police lineup if you had asked me to. But by that point, I was so stressed and annoyed by green dress kept, kept passing me. Now, here's the thing, right now you're looking at me and you're thinking, you got wound up by somebody just walking past you? Yes, I did. <laughs> but here's the thing, most of us spend our lives getting wound up and stressed by pretty trivial things, actually. And actually, if you think about it, even more trivial when you think about them in the light of eternity. Will it matter when I leave this world and move on to the next? Will it really have any consequence? And it is very easy for us to lose our joy over things that are really, really small, actually. So Paul reminds us here in Philippians that we need to remember what matters most. Philippians 3.7, it says this, at one time, all of these things were important to me, but because of Christ, I have decided that they are worth nothing. See, we live in a world that has completely different priorities to what we have. 
And it can be very easy for us to be caught up in prioritizing the same things that they prioritize. Social status, popularity, wealth, car I drive, house I live in, clothes I wear, whether I'm in a relationship or not in a relationship. How many people liked my post on Instagram, right? Such trivial things when you start to think about them in the light of eternity. What do they matter? This life actually is but a speck when you think about how long we are gonna be alive, alive for. Paul says all those things that used to be important, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. So how do you know when you've been saved? Here's how you know when you've been saved. Your values change. Because when someone as big as God comes into your life, it turns your life upside down and turns your priorities upside down. You go from living for now and for how you feel right now to living for eternity. So the question becomes, if it is not going to matter when I am no longer here, why should I get myself stressed and worked up about it now? Why should I be anxious? Why should I be fearful? Does it really matter? Every day I need to remind myself what matters most. Philippians 3.8, he goes on, Paul, and says this, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Most of you know my story. I never went to seminary, so I have never studied Greek. Okay? For some unknown reason, I studied Latin, but that's really not helping me with much in the world nowadays. Okay? So I was interested to learn this week when I was looking at this verse. That word garbage that is in this verse up there, actually that was the translators trying to be a little um, nice about how they translated that word. Okay? Actually, that word garbage there, if it was translated exactly as um, it is written, poop, all right? Trying to think of the nicest word I could think of. I guess that's it. So what Paul is saying here is this. When he became a Christian, after he stopped the religion thing and started the relationship thing, he said that all the other stuff that he used to worry about, all the other stuff that he used to get worked up about, all the other stuff that he thought was important in this life, it was all poop, okay? Don't tell dad I said that, please. (laughs) But that's what it comes down to. So why on earth do we get stressed and anxious and let it steal our joy, all of these things that aren't going to matter for nothing when it comes to the end of this life. Remember what matters most. Jim Elliott, famous missionary, put it so succinctly. He said this, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep for that which he cannot 
lose. Jim Elliott, a lot of you know his story, was down in Ecuador, and they were there to witness two tribes down there. And actually, Jim Elliott was killed by the tribe that he went to um, witness to, and so he lost his life for his faith. But here's the thing. Jim Elliott is now more alive than he ever was because the life he gave up, he couldn't have kept anyway. There is nothing in this world that we can keep. So let's be working for the thing that we can't lose, our relationship with Christ. There are going to be things in this life that, yes, we're going to forego. There's going to be things in this world that the world will tell me are really, really important. And we are going to say, you know what, not so important for me. There are going to be things in this life that the world will tell us you need to worry about this and you need to stress about this. A salary, a pension, what kind of house you're in, what school district your kids are going to. All of these things that they're going to tell you you should be stressing over. And guess what? I'm not going to. Because in the light of eternity, they're not that important. They don't mean anything to me. Because I am working on gaining that thing that I can keep, eternal life and rewards in heaven. So if you want to be happy, here's your second daily habit. Remember what matters most. Every morning, say to yourself, what is it today that I am going to do that is going to matter most? Third daily habit. Right now, some of you are sweating because I'm a Blackmore and I have five points today. Can I quickly just make the point to those who are watching on the live stream that yes, the live stream did end prematurely last week because somebody spoke too long and it cuts out at a certain time. Won't say who, but he's half of my gene pool. Um, Here's the good news. I know the technology guy, so I just said today, can you just extend the uh, live stream? So we're, we're golden here today. We could be here for hours. All right, no, I'm kidding with you. Number three, get to know Jesus better. Here's a daily habit for, for happiness that honestly is going to pay huge dividends for you. We were made to live in a relationship with God. That's your purpose. So you are kidding yourself if you think that you can be happy and joyful without getting to know him better, which is the thing that you were made for. You are made to be in a relationship with him. So following on, Philippians 3. Philippians 3 verse 10 said this, all I want to know is to know Christ and the power that raised him from death. I want to share in his sufferings and be like him even in death. Paul says this, I want to know Christ. Now, English is a funny language at times because there is a difference between knowing someone and knowing someone, okay? I am a good Brit. I know the royal family. But if I was to walk up to them, they'd be like, who are you, right? I don't know them. Now, I know my husband, Eric. I know my mom. I know those people. Here's how I know them. I spend time with them. I communicate with them. I have a relationship 
with them. That is the difference. The queen has never returned a letter that I have sent her. I do not have a relationship and I don't communicate. That is the difference. So here's the thing. Paul says, I know Christ. How? He spends time with him. He communicates with him. He has a relationship with him. I actually love the amplified version of this same verse, and it says this, for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. I love that right there, determined purpose. That's what Paul's saying. His determined purpose was to get to know Christ. You don't get to know Christ by accident. You don't wake up one morning and know him. You need to have a determined purpose to do the thing that you were created for. The thing that will fulfill you, the thing that will bring you joy is spending time with the one you were created for. Communicate with him. Have a relationship with him. Spend time with him. And let me just say this, and I am not singling anybody out. Coming here once a week won't cut it for you. And this being the only time you spend with God. Keep coming, but let's add to that. Spend time with him. I know that we are all busy, and I know we all have a lot going on. But just a few minutes every day, will really add up and will really help you with this. See, I have a $20 bill here. That's where your 20 went. All right, so I have a $20 bill here. If I take this $20 bill, bury it in a mason jar in my backyard, and then 10 years from now, if I can remember where I put it, go back and try to dig it up, guess what? It will not have grown at all. In fact, with the way inflation is at the moment, it might be worth a nickel by in 10 years, right? So it won't have grown anything. It will not be worth more than the $20 that I have here. If I wanna grow this $20, I need to find a place where I can invest it, where I'm gonna earn some interest or I'm gonna earn some dividends. The same applies with your relationship with God. You want to grow your relationship with God, you need to invest it. You need to put time into it. You need to be able to say, you know what, I'm doing the best I can for that relationship to grow, to not stagnate, to move on. We are in um, the planning stage of this fall. We are going to be challenging all of you to invest something in your relationship with God. And we're going to be doing um, some, uh, some classes here about getting to know God better. And we're gonna challenge each of you. I know we're busy, and we know that you have a lot going on, but we're gonna challenge you to find 90 minutes a week for 10 weeks to invest in your relationship with God. Imagine how much stronger we will be as a church if we were to do that, okay? So we'll have more details of that coming up. And you know what, let's just be honest. If I had just said to you, we're gonna do a 10-week class, and I can guarantee at the end of it, you will double your bank account. You would all be lined up asking me when we're gonna start that class, right? 
We're all human. I know, I'd be, I'd be online too. So instead of that, I'm saying this, this fall, let's take 10 weeks, 90 minutes a week, invest in getting to know God better. Because guess what? When I get to know Jesus better, it actually is going to help me to be a happier person because I'm going to be doing the thing that I was created for. Daily habit number three, get to know Jesus better. Number four, review where I need to grow. This is a tough one because most of us don't want to admit or don't like to admit that we don't know everything and we might have some weaknesses. Every morning, I want to encourage you to take a couple of minutes and do a spiritual checkup. Ask God where you need to grow. Ask God what you need to work on. Ask God, what do you need for me to do to get spiritually stronger? Now, the good news is the psalmist actually gave us a script for this. In Psalm 139, it says this, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong, then guide me on the road to eternal life. See, here's the thing, it's gonna take humility to do this, but it will lead to happiness. Following Jesus is not a static decision. It's a journey that we are on for the rest of our lives, so we need to grow and we need to develop. So I start the day by saying, okay, God, what is it that I need to work on today? Is it my anger? Is it my unforgiveness? Is it patience? Is it jealousy? Is it trust? Is it the words I say? What is it I need to do today to get better at where I'm going? Philippians 3 verse 12, Paul says this, I don't mean to say I am perfect. I haven't learned all I should even yet, but I keep working towards that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers, I am still not all I should be. Now, just in case you were thinking, you know what, I'm good. I don't need to take care of this. Can I just remind you who wrote those words? The Apostle Paul, by this stage, he's an old man. He's been in prison for, he is in prison for his faith, and he has been in prison multiple times, has been tortured, has been abused for his faith, has had all these things happen to him. He wrote most of the New Testament. So here's the thing. If the Apostle Paul could admit that he hasn't yet arrived, With all apologies to all of you great saints here, chances are we got some work to do too, right? If this is what the Apostle Paul is saying, man, I got a a way to go with that. He realized that he still needed to grow. He realized that he still needed to learn. He realized that he still needed to work on becoming more like Christ. And God, help us to get to that place where every day we can say, okay, God, what is it I need to do today? What should I be working on? I know where my weaknesses are, but just pinpoint them and show me exactly what I need to do. Happy people never stop growing. Happy people have the humility to know that they will never stop learning. Happy people never stop discovering or stretching. 
And here's the thing, when you stop growing, you'll be miserable because we were made to grow. We were not made to stay in the same place as the same person. You were made to do better this year than you did last. If you need more encouragement with this, Paul obviously was on a roll, because in 2 Corinthians, he says this, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that, Christ, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, and here's the part that we need to work on, do something about it. Do something about it. You know you have weaknesses, you know you have areas where maybe you need to work on and you need to grow. What do I need to do? Forwards, do something about it. Because I'm bad, I'm gonna show you actually, the Living Bible words it a little bit differently. Living Bible says this, check up on yourselves. Are you really Christians? Whoa. Do you pass the test? Do you feel Christ's presence and power more and more within you? Or are you just pretending to be Christians when actually you aren't at all? Whoa. Right? Got it? Work it out. Am I doing the things I need to do to be able to say that I am going to be happy? So daily habit number four. Review where I need to grow. And now we come to what is possibly and probably the hardest daily habit for happiness, number five. And number five is this. Forget what can't be changed and focus on the future. Forget what can't be changed and focus on the future. Imagine if every day, you forgot what you couldn't change, what you couldn't control, and you said in fact, instead, you know what, I'm gonna focus on what's ahead of me. Not on the things in my past. Here's the thing, the past is the past. It's done, it's over, it can't be changed. And we need to forget our disappointments, we need to forget our failures, and hear me on this, we need to forget our hurts. When it comes to disappointment, we can be disappointed in ourselves, we can be disappointed in others, and honestly, there are gonna be times when you and I are disappointed in God. And that's okay, he's a big man, he can handle it, okay? But there are gonna be times we're gonna be disappointed in God. And the problem is that at those times, there is a three-letter word that can become all-consuming for us, and that is the word, why. Why? And it will steal your joy in a heartbeat, probably before, even before the word is out of your mouth. Why? God, why did this happen? God, why did, didn't they get better? God, why did you take them so young? God, why did I lose my job? God, why are my finances just not where they need to be for me to be able to pay all my bills? God, why has that person hurt me? Why did you say no to me? And disappointment can weigh you down and will steal your joy. Failure, we all fail. We all mess up. 
And here's the thing, refer to point A. What God has forgiven, you need to let go of. He has, so why are you still walking around letting it weigh you down and stealing your joy? Learn the lessons, but don't carry the guilt. Learn from what has happened, but move on from it. Jesus already took care of it on your behalf. And here's the thing, if you are still carrying that around, it's almost as if you are saying what Jesus did wasn't enough, I still gotta hold on to it. He took care of it, it's gone. So you know what, move on from those failures in your life. And then we all have hurts. And I know that some of you have been hurt awfully in the past. I know that some of you have been through some absolutely awful, diabolical things, because I've heard some of your stories. And can I just say, I am sorry about that. And I'm sorry about what you've lived through. And I'm sorry about what others have put you through. Because I've heard stories of severe hurts, emotional abuse, physical abuse, financial abuse, and my heart does break for you. But today, as your friend who loves you and as one of your pastors, I just want to remind you of this. Happiness means that you need to let go and let forget what has happened. See, you have a choice. You can either hold on to the pain, you can hold on to the memory, you can hold on to the past, you can hold on to the disappointment, the failure, the hurt, you can hold on to it, or you can be happy. You can't do both. They don't both, they cannot both coexist. So either I hold on to the things that have happened to me, I hold on to the person who hurt me, I hold on to the thing, that terrible thing that has happened to me, I hold on to my guilt, I hold on to my failures, I hold on to my disappointment in whoever I'm disappointed in, or I say, you know what, I gotta let that go, because it is stealing my joy from me, and I need today to be happy. Philippians 3, he goes on and he says this, no, dear brothers, I am still not all I should be, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. Look at those words right there. Bringing all my energies. We are human. We only have a limited amount of energy, okay? And as we get older, I think, it seems to be dwindling. So you know what? Here's my choice. I can either get tired or an I can be exhausted, and I can waste what precious energy I have on the past and what has happened there, or I can take that energy and that emotions and move forward with that. Why waste emotional energy? Why waste another second of your life on something that is gone and is in the past? Would you like to change it? Yes. Until time machines become a real thing, can you change it? No. 
So why are you dwelling on something you cannot change? Let it go. Not gonna sing. Let it go and move on from there. Focus your energy on forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19 says this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Want to be happy in a sad world? There's step number five. Forget what can't be changed and focus on the future. So today I gave you five things. Five daily habits for happiness. Number one, relaxing God's grace. Number two, remember what matters most. Number three, get to know God better. Number four, review where I need to grow. And finally, forget what can't be changed and focus on the future. I can guarantee you, you do those steps, it will have an impact on your happiness and your joy going forward. And I really, really hope that this is something practical that will help you, whatever you are going through and wherever you are right now in life. Let's pray.